Wow, what a wonderful opportunity to be together today. I want to share with you a message I believe that the Lord has laid on my heart for today, and it'll affect us in the days and the weeks that are coming. I want to speak to you this morning on the power of focused living. I know our kids are all with us, and I know that uh, uh, that presents challenges. Just so you know, nothing's going to bother me, all right? Nothing's going to bother me at all. So just be real and uh, have a good time. I remember when I was a child, I was... uh, uh, let's just say that I was adventurous at times, and uh, I would frequently get myself in trouble with my parents uh, for doing things that were just taking risk and doing some crazy stuff. And I remember when, as a young boy, I discovered that you could actually have a magnifying glass. Does everybody know what a magnifying glass is? And you know, Kids today know what those are. But in my, in my day, young childhood days, I was fascinated by what a magnifying glass could do. And I took a magnifying glass, and I went outside in my backyard. We had a large uh, backyard, and I found some dry leaves. And I, you know where I'm going already? I took that magnifying glass on a day like today, and I found that literally that magnifying glass would take the sunlight and focus it in a very small area, an intense area. And if I just kept it there long enough, next thing you know, there's what? There's smoke. And after smoke, there's fire. And actually, I burnt down half of my backyard just in discovering the significance and the power of a magnifying glass. Little did I understand what I was actually discovering that day. What I was discovering was the power of focus. Did you know that focus not only scientifically has the ability to intensify the effects of, for example, sunlight, but it also makes a difference in people's personal lives, as I hope that you'll understand this morning. Let me see if I can define what I mean when I say focus today. The definition of focus is to direct significant attention to something which results in placing an emphasis or ascribing importance to it. The truth of the matter is, people focus on all kinds of stuff today. Focus can either be your greatest friend or your greatest enemy. It all depends on where it is directed. Am I right? Do you know what I'm talking about? So focus is something that uh, has been proven by by sports psychologists and others to be one of the most significant uh, variables and factors in determining success. Did you know that focus can actually promote high performance in different areas of life? Did you know that? You might say, well, what does that have to do about our spiritual lives? Because without focus, things get blurry. They lose definition. I remember, uh, and I know now I'm speaking historically once again, I remember that when you use, in the old days when you used to use a camera, you actually had to focus on what you're going to take a picture of. You actually had to focus your camera. Today, we have simply what? Point and click, right? I mean, it does, the cameras do it all for us today, and they call that feature autofocus. Autofocus. Now, that's really cool for taking snapshots. That's really cool for recording something and using your phone, your device to do that. But let me just tell you something. Everybody listen to me. There is no autofocus in your life. There is no autofocus in your Christian experience. You don't just automatically get focus. Focus is something that we have to be intentional about, and we have to choose. Just to illustrate what happens when we don't focus, I don't think I need to give you statistics today to prove to you that if you're driving and texting at the same time, 
You're dangerous. Turn to your neighbor and say, did you hear that? I've been telling you that. Texting while driving is simply what? It's a distraction. Distractions keep us from locking our focus in where it needs to be. In that case, it's driving and what's going on around us. But in the same way, sports psychologists, for example, in studying the history and the life and performance of Tiger Woods, a professional golfer, determined that his success as a professional golfer wasn't so much attributed to his natural ability or even his hard work. Sports psychologists have told us that maybe the greatest skill set that Tiger Woods as a golfer has is his ability to focus. Isn't it amazing what focus can do for your life. Uh, Listen to a couple of these quotations from some other athletes and well-known people. Venus Williams, the tennis player, said, I don't focus on what I'm up against. I focus on my goals, and I ignore everything else. Michael Jordan used to say, don't dwell on what went wrong. Instead, focus on what to do next. Spend your energies on moving forward and finding the answer. Focus is the key. Dennis Waitley, the motivational speaker, said, don't dwell on what went wrong. Instead, focus on what to do next. Spend your life focusing on your goals, and it will change your life. Steve Jobs once said, one of my mantras has resulted in my success. The mantra was, learn the power of focus. Now, I want to remind you this morning of a story in the the Bible, a story about Jesus and uh, you'll recognize the story, and, and uh, for the sake of communication today, I'm just going to retell it. But if you'd like to turn to it on your own sometime, it's found in Matthew chapter 14, and it starts in about verse 22 through uh, verse uh, 33. Let me just tell you the story. After Jesus and his disciples had fed, miraculously fed the multitudes around the Sea of Galilee, the, the Scripture said that Jesus told his disciples to go ahead and get in the boat and go on ahead of him on the Sea of Galilee, and he'd follow them later. He wanted to spend a little time in prayer. So the disciples went and got in the boat, headed on the Sea of Galilee, and it wasn't long before, later in the day, Jesus showed up. Not in the most expected way. You remember how Jesus showed up? Walking on the waves. He was literally walking on the water towards his disciples. It freaked them out at first. They said, They thought it was an apparition. They thought it was a ghost at first. They couldn't tell what was going on. And the closer he got, they realized, that's the Messiah. That's Jesus out there. All the disciples in the boat were amazed. But one disciple made a different type of step. His name was Peter. Do you remember what he did? He said this to Jesus. He looked at Jesus out there standing on the water. Now, can we just remind ourselves that was miraculous, right? Sometimes we just forget, you know, that was pretty supernatural, right? Jesus just walking on the water supernaturally. And Peter said that, put it in today's lingo, he said, Jesus, that is really cool. Can I come and do that with you? He literally said, can I come? And do you remember what Jesus said? This might amaze you. Jesus said, come on. Some of us think that Jesus is all about limiting us and restricting us and setting us, binding us with the sets of legalism and rules. Jesus is about freedom. Jesus wants us to walk supernaturally. He wants us to experience new things. And you know what Jesus said to Peter? Come on. So Peter climbs out of the boat. Can you imagine? He climbs out of the boat and he begins to put his foot on the water. 
And literally, the laws that govern our universe were temporarily suspended as Peter focused on Jesus, kept his eyes fixed on him, and literally began to walk out across the water. I've often wondered what was going through the minds of the other disciples when they saw Jesus doing that. But it wasn't long before uh, there was a storm brewing and the wind started kicking up and blowing, as sometimes happens in life. And the Bible tells us that Peter got distracted. He got distracted and he started looking at the waves and he looked at the wind. And when he did, what happened to Peter? Someone remember? All of a sudden, the one who was once walking on the water began to sink in the water. And he got down so low and he said, help, Jesus, help. Isn't it amazing how we always call out for Jesus and we get, you know, we get in those situations. And I'm so thankful that Jesus had compassion, didn't he? He didn't rebuke him. He simply said, reached down his hand, took his hand, lifted him up, and got him out of his trouble. Now you say, what does the story have to do? It has everything to do with the, the power of focused living. Because in this story, we see two different kinds of focus. We see a wrong focus. It's very simple today. We see a wrong focus and we see a right focus. We need to understand in life, as Christians, as Jesus followers, we need to understand the right things to focus on. And there are certain things that we need to avoid focusing on because they will be a distraction. Can I just mention a couple of them to you? Let's just talk, first of all, about a right focus. What are some right things that we ought to focus on? Where first is pretty obvious, we ought to focus on what? We ought to focus on Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, that ought to be the first thing that we put our focus on is Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that we need to put our focus on Jesus. Let me quote a couple of verses to you, if I may. In Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 2 and 3, the Bible says, Let us fix our focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice that the Hebrew writer is challenging us as Jesus' followers to do what? Fix. You got that idea? Fix your focus, your eyes, your internal focus. Set it on who? Jesus Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that if you're going to follow Jesus, you better have a pretty clear focus. You better know who it is that you're focusing on. And the first thing we need to focus on is Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not a born-again Christian, it all begins with you turning your attention to Jesus. You know why? Because he's the all-sufficient Savior. He's the only one that can forgive our past. He's the only one that can forgive our sins. His love never changes. His greatness is unsurpassed. It's unparalleled. It's unprecedented. And his grace and his love is always enough for all of us. His love is limitless. His love is enduringly strong. It's entirely sincere. And it's eternally steadfast. Listen, put your focus on Jesus Christ today. If you're a Christian, whether maybe you haven't been walking with the Lord lately, but you know who Jesus is and you know he's your Savior, maybe you've taken your focus off of Jesus and you put it on some other things. Restore your right focus to Jesus Christ and make it today. Number two, not only should we focus on Jesus, but we need to focus on God's promises. Did you know that there's a promise in the Bible for every need in our life? I don't care what it is, whether it's a financial need, whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's a marriage or family need, 
God has provided promises in the Bible for us. Let me read to you from 2 Peter chapter 1, a couple of verses. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. Can everybody say promises? You see what it said? It said very great. Did you know that God's promises are great? But it also says that they are precious. Here we are challenged to take full advantages of God's divine power and the promises that he has made us in the Bible. His promises are precious. Do you know why they're precious? Because of their value. The word there for precious is a word that actually is related to our English word for time. It indicates that these promises are to be highly valued, that they cost something. Listen, every promise in the Bible that has your name on it, it was paid for by Jesus Christ when he went to the cross. But we have all these wonderful promises, and many times we simply don't take advantage of them because that's not our focus. The promises are there for you and for me. I don't need to list them. But let me remind you, we have a promise in the Bible for salvation. In Acts chapter 2, verse 21, that says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be will be saved. We have a promised deliverance in John chapter 8 when it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We have a promise of freedom and deliverance. We have a promise for all of our needs to be met. Our provisions in Philippians 4.19 says that God shall supply all my needs according to what? His riches and glory. Folks, listen, that's a promise that your, that your provisions can be met by the Lord. These are great promises that God has given all of us to put our hearts and our focus on. Let me if you issue to you one more challenge of a right focus, if I can. Number three, I'm fighting the wind up here. I'm doing pretty good though, right? Yep. Number three, we need to focus on our mandate. Number one, focus on Jesus Christ. Number two, we need to have that right focus on God's promises. Number three, we need to focus on our mandate. You say, what mandate? Do you know that as if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus today, that you are under marching orders? The Bible makes it very clear in Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That is a mandate. Notice we call that the Great Commission. Notice that we don't call it the Great Option. It's not an option. As Westerners, we're, we're spoiled by multiple choice. We're spoiled by options. Do it like you please. But the Bible makes it clear, as Christians, we're obligated to do what? We're under marching orders. We have a divine mandate from heaven that says what? We are to focus on those who do not know Jesus Christ. And there are many people, to your surprise, who live next to you, who work next to you in the marketplace, who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And our mandate is to take the good news of Jesus to the lost and the dying and to the unreached of this world. We need to be intentional. Can someone say amen? We need to, I mean, we can't just go through our life and just say, oh yeah, someone will take care of that. No, we need to focus on it. That's the right focus. I give you a couple of illustrations of the wrong focus. Remember what happened to Peter when he had the right focus, which was what? His eyes on Jesus, didn't he? When he was having the right focus, what was he able to do? 
literally walked supernaturally across the waves. He defied physical laws because God enabled him to do that. That was miraculous. How many of you would like to begin to live more of a miraculous-oriented life, more supernatural living? One of the keys is to focus where we need to focus. But we notice from the story, as I already described it to you, there was a moment where he lost his focus. He changed his focus from the right focus, and he began to focus on the wrong stuff, didn't he? He began to focus on the wind. What was the result of the wrong focus? Instead of walking on the water, what happened? Ooh, sink. Right? So may I suggest to you that the same principle will take place in our life? As long as we're focusing where we need to be, let me tell you, it'll change the way you live. It'll change performance. It'll change your success. It'll change your accomplishments in life. It'll change everything about it. But if we choose to focus on the wrong things, we're bound to sink. Listen to a few things that we need to not focus on. Number one, please do not focus on the lies of the enemy. The devil, who is our adversary, the Bible says he's a thief, he's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's an accuser of the brethren, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Whether you know it or not, you have an enemy. His name is Satan, and he's out to rob and steal from your life. But he is a liar. In fact, the Bible says he's the father of all lies. They all emanate from him. So don't focus on the lies of the enemy. He will lie to you. He'll put a fear in your mind. He'll also tell you uh, bad things about yourself. He'll tell you bad things about your neighbor. He'll try to separate friends. He'll do anything he can to get us off track. We don't need to focus on the lies of the enemy. Can I hear an amen? Don't focus on his lies. It'll get you in trouble every time. Number two, don't focus on your past. Don't focus on your past. Now listen, this is really important. The Bible makes it really clear to us that there are two things we should not focus on in our past. Number one, our past failures. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 3.13, he said, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. See, you use the word focus. I'm focusing my energies on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So so sociologists tell us that 30% of an average person's anxiety is simply focused on the past and things that cannot be changed. Many of us are locked in and bound up and can't function in a healthy manner because we are living in our past mistakes and errors and sins. But the Bible makes it clear that God's a God of forgiveness. And all we need to do is to confess our sin and he will be faithful and just to what? To forgive us of our sins and to what? And to cleanse us from it. Don't focus on the past. The enemy will always try to have you lock in your focus on the past. If you focus on your past, you know what's going to happen? Sink. You're going to start sinking. But not only don't focus on your past failures, I've also found it's helpful. Don't focus on your past achievements either. I'm not denying that you've been good in the past. You've done some good stuff whether it be individually or as a church. We can't live on what happened yesterday. Our past accomplishments will sometimes even become stumbling blocks to our progress today. Successful people have learned that that past accomplishments, although maybe they contribute to a great testimony, they can also become a stumbling block as we try to move forward. So don't get stuck on your past failures. Don't focus on them, and don't focus on your past accomplishments. One more thing not to focus on. Ready for this? Don't focus on your problems. 
Don't focus on your problems. You say, but I've got problems. You just don't understand, Pastor. I've got a lot of problems. Listen, we all have troubles. We all have challenges. Wake up. Smell the coffee. That's called life. Am I right? That's just called life. No one's ever promised life was going to be perfect for us. No one's ever said life is going to be all easy. But life will have its challenges and adversities and problems. But the key is don't lock in your focus on the problem. Peter's downfall was what? He began to focus on the adversity of the wind and the storm. And the moment he did, he began to sink. Let me challenge you today. Take your focus off of your problem. Am I telling you to deny that it's there? No, I'm just telling you to put your focus on the answer. Put your focus on the solution and not the problem. We see it illustrated all through Scripture, but we know that when we focus on our problems, that fear and doubt and unbelief become welcomed, and even as that happens, our life will begin to sink into defeat and to despair. As I conclude us this morning, I want to challenge you to ask yourself the question, what is my focus? Where am I focusing today? And I hope that you'll choose a right focus and that you'll turn away from a wrong focus. You'll turn yourself, if, if even the Holy Spirit just shows you right now some things that you've been focusing on, you've been locked in on, you've been focusing on it, your focus will determine your future. Your focus will determine today and tomorrow's success in your life. Would you mind praying with me right now? If you're able to, please stand to your feet. God loves us so much, so much that he invites us to follow him. He invites us into a spiritual family. But we don't get into the family of God by accident. We don't get into God's family because our parents were Christians. We get into God's family by the new birth. We have to be born into it. You say, How, what are you talking about? It's a spiritual experience where we invite Jesus to come into our hearts by faith. And he makes us into new people. We put faith in him and we repent and turn away from our past and our sins. And we say, Jesus, I'm going to become a follower of yours. There's some of you here this morning that may have never sincerely made that faith step. Today is your moment, your opportunity. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've known Christ for a while, but your focus is all messed up. You're, if you were honest with yourself and with me and with God today, you'd say, you know, I am focused on anything but where I need to be focused on. And today I'm going to make a decision. Today I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to agree for pastor to pray with me this morning because I don't want to live that way anymore. Holy Spirit is convicting me and dealing with me and showing me I need to change my focus. Beginning today, I'm going to refocus on Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to follow after him. Regardless of where you're at in your life, if you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ today, or possibly you just need prayer in your life, I'm asked for our prayer teams to come forward and just to be present here along the front. And I'm going to invite you right now all across this park area, this amphitheater, if you would just bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to ask you just to focus on the Lord right now, what he's speaking to you. If you're here this morning and you, if you're honest, you'd say, I need, I, today I need to make a decision for God today. 
my spiritual life, my faith life is not where it should be. Today is my day for a new beginning. Today is the day that I'm going to put my focus back where it needs to be. I'm tired of sinking. I'm ready to start walking with him. You need that prayer. You need to make that decision. Would you just raise your hand right now? All across, anywhere across. I see several hands, different places across here. Would you let me just pray for you right now? Father, I pray for those who the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to and drawing to you. And the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to have them come and step out in faith to make those decisions public for you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you raised your hand or you wish that you would have, would you just step out of your seat right now? Just come to the front. We have prayer teams that are trained here to pray with you. I'll be happy to pray with you as well. But we want to give you a moment just to come right now and receive ministry and receive prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now is your time. Just come on up. Let someone pray with you. Anyone else, please come. We're not in a rush. We're all good. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Please just come and receive prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we prepare to transition, we're going to allow ministry to go on here at the front. And if you do need prayer and you haven't already come forward, please, we're not cutting you off. We want you to feel free to take advantage of this moment. Pastor Todd is going to come and just give you a few directions about how we're going to uh, transition to our picnic and games and fun. And so if you'll listen to his announcements and uh, then we'll follow them. Pastor Todd.